number 20. Uh, thank you to my niece uh, and thank you quartet. Libby, thank you for the song this morning. I appreciate that. And my niece texted me a couple weeks ago actually. And that's my favorite hymn. The uh, original. Elsie, where are you at? Where's Elsie? Did you go over to the uh, hotel and see that? And that's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, right across from the hotel where we stayed in Israel the other week uh, is um, the original copy of that song. H.E. Spafford, handwritten on um, hotel, um, hotel stationery. Stay out of my preaching. Uh, thank you. Hotel stationery. And then a story and in, in, uh, newspaper clips and so forth. That's my favorite hymn. Unbelievable hymn. Wonderful story. And uh, so thank you. Thank you all for singing that. You did a great job. And um, uh, also, uh, I want to recognize BJ. Uh, I appreciate him and love him very, very much. And uh, is it really? I'm so sorry. Uh, but I love him and his family, and uh, it is so good to see him at school. And Taylor, I missed you somehow yesterday. I don't know how I missed you. Uh, I'm really glad to know the college is still standing, you having been here as long as you have now. And then Noah. Noah is my good buddy from down the road in the same county as us. And uh, anyway, and it's good to see all of our kids again. And, uh, and our kids, I'm sorry, you're not kids. But anyway, that's how I think of you and uh, love each and every one of you. I want to preach serious to you today. I hope you'll listen to me. I have no intention today to try to read the motives of anyone else. I can't do that. I have no desire to condescend to anyone who may hear this message, perhaps. I understand when we preach messages today, they're not just, we're not just talking to folks in the room. I understand there'll be folks far beyond this room, perhaps, that will hear this sermon. I don't think I'm better than anybody. I certainly don't pretend to be able to read anybody's motives, and I do not want to condescend, and I've asked God to help me not to do that. But I want to touch this morning on a specific philosophy that is a cancerous tumor among fundamental, independent Baptist young people, young adults, now pastors, that is destroying the foundation that the Lord gave us. 
I have no desire to hurt anybody. But I fear if me and my generation do not clearly delineate the things I want to say to you today, pretty soon won't be by left to do it. I beg you to give me a good hearing. And I beg you to understand the heart with which I speak to you today. Read aloud with me the one verse, Leviticus 20 and verse number 7, please. Ready? Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. Father in heaven, please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, settle the young people. Help them not to take a couple minutes to get the cough drops ready or to settle in and then finally focus. But from the moment they are seated, may their hearts and minds be focused on a vital truth, yea, a philosophy, the why behind the what, and help them to absorb it into their minds and hearts and receive it with the spirit with which I desire to deliver it. Please, God, you must help us. It must be your power present here in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. The scripture is clear. It's repeated often. It's in the New Testament. Be ye holy. I would like to remind everybody in the room this morning that the Holy Spirit, third member, if you will, of the Godhead, is first and foremost a spirit of holiness. Much is being passed off in the world today as a move of the Holy Spirit that lacks holiness. And I submit to you that any so-called move of the Holy Spirit that is not holy is not from the Holy Spirit. He cannot contradict his own nature. The title of the message this morning is simply, Be Ye Holy. By the way, I'd like to ask you to do something for me today. If you will not take notes... I will give this outline to somebody on the staff. They can photograph it, and you can have a copy. You can preach it. You can do whatever you want to with it. But if you'll let me listen, if you'll listen to me, let me give you my heart so you don't miss something because there's some nuances to what I'm going to say today, and I don't want you to miss something while you're writing. And thank you for wanting to take notes. I, I do appreciate that. But I'll give you my outline. You can have my outline, and you can see the I preached it for the places. You can see that and all that. And... Uh, and it would only cost you $5. So uh, you can have it. You can have it. Um, but I want to give you my heart. Numbers 13, 20. The Bible said, be ye of good courage. First Chronicles 16, 15. Be ye mindful. Second Chronicles 30, verse 8. Be ye not stiff-necked. Psalm 32, 9. Be ye not as the horse or mule. In other words, don't be stubborn. Proverbs 8, 5, be ye of an understanding heart. Isaiah 65, 18, be ye glad. Matthew 5, 48, be ye therefore perfect. Matthew 10, 16, be ye therefore wise. Matthew 24, 44, be ye also ready. Luke 6, 36, be ye therefore merciful. Romans 12, 2, be ye transformed. 1 Corinthians 15, 8, be ye steadfast, be ye unmovable, be ye always abounding in the work of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6.14, be ye not unequally yoked together. 2 Corinthians 6.17, be ye separate. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind, be ye tenderhearted, be ye forgiving. James 1.2, be ye doers of the word. James 5.8, be ye also patient. 1 Peter 1.15, be ye 
holy, 1 Peter 4, 7, be ye therefore sober. Point number one, God often tells us to be what He wants us to be. God often tells us to be what He wants us to be. I want you to take note of something. Not once do we read in the Bible where God says, be real. We don't read that in the Bible. Be real. There is an unhealthy preoccupation with a good thing, but to a fault. Certainly none of us in this room would encourage hypocrisy. Probably everybody in this room has been burned by hypocrisy and pharisaism. But the solution to a weakness is not to diminish its, its alternate strength. Purity would be the strength. Pharisaism would be the alternate weakness. Every strength has its opposite. The young men in this room that are stubborn could become great leaders. And the great leaders that are in this room probably struggle with stubbornness. And Phariseeism is, is wicked, we understand that, but its corresponding opposite would be uh, allegiance to purity, doctrinal purity, biblical purity. And I submit to you that to whatever degree there is a problem with Phariseeism in fundamental circles, the answer to that is not to abandon its opposing strength. It is to fix the weakness. God often tells us to be what He wants us to be. Number two, God also tells us to act like He wants us to act. 1 Samuel 4, 9, Be strong and quit yourselves like men. O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews. Same word as you, the heathen use this word. What He was saying, the heathen was saying to their troops as they went against the armies of God, Hey, act like men. Act like men. The word quit that's used in that verse also used in Genesis 2-7 when it said the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed his nostrils the breath of life and man became, there's the same word, became a living soul. So you could say it this way, become what you're supposed to become. Quit you like men. Become the man that you ought to become. 1 Corinthians 6-13 says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. This is the New Testament word equivalent somewhat to the Hebrew word translated quit in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and became in Genesis 2. Strong says that the word quit there means to act manly. To act manly. Act manly. Act manly. You say, well, I don't feel manly. It didn't say feel manly. It said act manly. Act manly. Several years ago, I was at an Olive Garden restaurant, and I did not. The Lord knows my heart on this matter. Now, I'm not saying I haven't done it otherwise at other times. But in this particular illustration, my motives were pure. And I was sitting at the table with my wife, having a date, and here he comes. Just as He was working it. He was working it. Just as cute as he could be. An S on every word they said, and says, and um, anyway, and my heart, I saw this young man, and probably your age, and uh, my heart went out to him, honestly. 
My heart went out to him. And I waited in my mind, and I decided to do it. And when I got a chance, this, this young man's working at, you know, you know uh, um, I looked at him in the eye, and I very sincerely said, could I ask you a question? I'm not trying to be rude, but I, may I ask you a sincere question? He said, sure. And I said, do you have a good relationship with your father? God is my witness. The moment I asked that question, his entire persona changed, his voice changed, and he said, just because I'm like this doesn't mean I don't love my dad. And then he caught himself and morphed back into his persona. That fast, for a brief moment, we saw something genuine. Now, I submit to you, I submit to you that if I can do this, you can do this. I submit to you that you young men have a biblical mandate to act manly. And that has everything to do with the choices you make day to day. 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor all men. You say, well, pastor, honor, all, all, respect. I'm supposed to respect all men. I'm supposed to respect all men. I, I still open the car door for my wife. I still uh, pull out uh, the chair for her, not as consistently as the car door. But I pull out the chair, and then I help her up when she... No. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway... Um, but I still open the car door for my wife. And if I approach a door and a lady's uh, uh, a, a biological female who identifies as a female uh, <laughs> approaches the door uh, and I'm clear that it is indeed a female, uh, then I open the door. And I find most folks are very appreciative about that. Occasionally somebody's not appreciative. But I don't do it because someone's a lady. I do it because I desire to be a gentleman. Amen. And that's why I do it. The Bible said, honor all men, respect all men. You say, well, pastor, uh, what if you don't feel respect for someone? Wouldn't it be disingenuous to show respect to somebody for whom you do not feel respect? I mean, I wouldn't want to be a put on or anything. Oh, you mean like Job 29, 14, which says, I put on righteousness? Or Ephesians 4.24, which says, put on the new man. Or Colossians 3.10, which says, put on the new man. Or Colossians 3.12, which says, put on kindness, put on humbleness, put on meekness, put on long-suffering. David said something fascinating in Psalm 35.14. He said, I behaved myself as though he had been my friend. Think about that statement. I behaved myself as though he be, had been my friend. Let's say that uh, Brother, Brother Collins, uh, uh, quite frankly, was not very friendly to me and had not treated me well. And that's true in this case. And, uh, but anyway, had not treated me well and quite frankly had uh, maybe even uh, uh, hurt me or slandered me or attacked me or belittled me in some way. Now, listen to me. If I'm, if I'm everything God wants me to be, that'll make no matter to me. 
I, if, I, if my heart is filled with Christ-like love, I will love him just the same. I will love him just the same as if, as if I, I was uh, completely unaware that he had belittled me and betrayed me and criticized me. But if I'm human, it has affected to some degree my spirit toward him. I'm praying for grace. I want to be like Christ. But in the meantime, in the meantime... I am to treat him as a friend. And David said, I behave myself as though he had been my friend. David put on friendliness. David intentionally said, I don't really feel like being chummy with you, pal. But guess what God's commanded me to do? Treat you better than you've treated me. God bless you, sir. Have a great day. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to comfort all that mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let, let me have uh, anybody a, a, 40, a size 42. Anybody a size 42? You got a suit coat on? Uh, I tell you, no, 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 I'll tell you, uh, let me do something else. Um, let's see. If you got a, if you got a sport coat on and you're bigger than me, stand up. Come on, buddy. Come here. Come here. What's your name? Zachary. Zachary, good to meet you. Uh, okay, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on. Yes, sir. That's for you. Try not to tear the threads. All right. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, put on the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Wait a minute, listen to me. You say, I don't feel like praising. I, I, praise doesn't fit me well this morning. I, I got up late and I, and, and I stubbed my toe and forgot to brush my teeth. And, and it doesn't fit me well. Listen to me. The Bible doesn't say put on praise when it fits you well. It says change that garment of heaviness for a garment of praise. This is, you're supposed to act like a man whether you feel like acting like a man. You're supposed to act like a Christian whether you feel like acting like a Christian. And this idea that somehow, well, I'm not going to praise unless I can do it with all sincerity. Hogwash. We don't praise because we approach worthily to praise the eternal God of heaven. We praise Him because He is worthy of praise. We praise Him because He is who He is, not because of who we are. Don't go very far, Zach. 
Sit down. Bring his Bible to him. Somebody run his Bible up to him. This. All righty. Thank you. Here's the truth. Listen carefully. Here's the truth. The truth is, my attitude is my decision. And your attitude is your decision. Some of you have, you have bad attitude. I don't know if anybody does or not, so I can't see that well with these bright lights in my face. So you might, if you don't have a good attitude today, look, bottom line is, that's your decision. You decided that. Somehow you've convinced yourself that you'll be happier uh, by being mad, and, and you won't be. <laughs> God bless you. I love you, but you won't be. You never will be. You, listen, you could change everything right now in this service before this message is over and say, wait a minute. My attitude is my responsibility. Sometime do your little study through the book of Psalms, and as you go through the Psalms, circle two little words, I will. I, I, I dare you to do it. As you, here's what you'll find. I will praise the Lord. I will sing praise. I will praise thee. I will praise thee among much people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. I will praise thee, O Lord. I will lift up my hands in thy name. I will yet praise thee more and more. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. I will greatly praise the Lord. I will praise thee. I will praise him among the multitude. I will be glad. I will rejoice. I will, I will, I will. What David is saying is this. I don't necessarily feel glad. I don't necessarily feel like raising my hands, but I understand something. I have a will and God's giving me a command and he's worthy to be praised whether I feel like praising or not. Next is 28 verse 2. The Bible says thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother. Listen to it. For glory and for beauty. Talking about the priest's garments. The word glory there means weight as in weighty conveying the idea that this is a big deal and thus showing respect to the office of the priesthood. The word beauty was also befitting the office. The priest was to put on holy garments. Look at me. For show? No. Because being a priest of God is a big deal. Being a servant of God is a big deal has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with me being in style. It has everything to do with the office with which I, I, I stand here to represent. The priest was to put on holy garments for glory and for beauty. And I submit to you, listen, this philosophy that says, you know, I don't, I don't feel like dressing up to go to church. I, I feel like I feel like wearing skinny pants. And no socks. So I can show the whole world my hairy legs. <laughs> Turn those cameras off. Listen. I submit to you that that is not befitting the office to which God has called you. You say, well, I'm just going to be real. I'm not going to be a fake. 
So was your best man a fake when he wore a tuxedo to your wedding? Were you a fake when you, in high school, wore your, uh, wore, your, wore your nice dress to, if you came to public school, unsafe prom or whatever, banquet? No. The goal, listen carefully, young people, the goal is not a noun. The goal is an adjective or an adverb. The goal is not sincerity in and of itself. The goal is to do right sincerely. Sincerity's virtue is entirely dependent upon its object. Our desire is not merely to be sincere. Our desire is to be sincerely right. Sincerely holy. Sincerely manly. Who could argue that the 9-11 hijackers were sincere when they flew into the Twin Towers? When John Payton and Amy Carmichael went to the mission field, they discovered the horrific practice of sati, where when a man died, his wife was strapped to the funeral bier and set on fire alive so she could go off into eternity with her husband. Now, certainly you could not argue that they, that's somehow a fake thing. They, they, don't really, they don't really think that. That's pretty sincere. I mean, that's, that's pretty much putting it on the line that you're sincere about what you believe. But I submit to you, there's something more than being real or sincere or genuine as it is being peddled in the world today. You will find the word real in your King James Bible zero times. You will find the word genuine in your King James Bible zero times. You will find the word authentic in your King James Bible zero times. And I know we don't build doctrines on that. The word Bible's not in the Bible. I get it. But my point is this. Where God makes an emphasis, we ought to make an emphasis. Two times, the word sincere is used in your King James Bible. And both times, once as an adjective and once as an adverb. Philippians 1, 10 and 11, and 1 Peter 2 and verse number 2. Again, I say to you, we don't need to strive to be real. I, I'm sick up to here. Sick up to here. Well, you're a real church. Real church. As opposed to what? That is a not-so-subtle dig, probably, at what you used to be. at what you used to be. The goal is to be genuinely holy, genuinely courageous, genuinely mindful, genuinely understanding, genuinely glad, genuinely perfect, genuinely wise, ready, merciful, steadfast. And all those verses we read at the outset of the message. Here's what's happened. What... What tolerance is to the queers. You hear me? The, the, the queers cry tolerance. What that means is uniformity of thought. What that means is you think like we think. And if you don't, then you're wrong. But what tolerance has become real has become in some Christian circles. Listen to me very carefully. Uh, let me, let me give, uh, explain so you're with me. 
Tolerance to the world is like the highest of all values. Tolerance in the world is like, that's the greatest thing you can be, is tolerant. I mean, you know, so what if you, you know, do wicked things with children, but oh, if you're tolerant, oh, you're a good person. That's, that's the world's mantra. Tolerance is just one, oh, he's so tolerant. Oh, he just loves everybody. He just accepts everybody. Now, that, that devilish philosophy has creeped into, are you listening? Are you with me? Has creeped into fundamental independent Baptist circles. And, and I, we just want to be real. We just want to be real. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 1, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Paul said this, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, but the other of love. Listen to what he says. Some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife. Paul said this, I recognize that a bunch of people are preaching out there, and quite frankly, the reason they're preaching is because they're envious of me. <laughs> That's why they preach. And then he said, and, and, and some preach of, the one preach of contention. He said, truth is, some pre there's some, there's some, there's some, Christ-honoring, exalting Jesus Christ preachers out there that when they preach, they get their digs in at me. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. And he says, they, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely. He said, I recognize there are some men who are preaching the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And even as they preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, they get their digs in at the old Apostle Paul, and they're not sincere. They're not, not sincerely. And what was Paul's reaction to this? Here's what he says. What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. The Apostle Paul said this, I am fully aware that there are some people preaching the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, but they do it unsincerely. They do it to get their digs in. They do it to prove something about somebody else somewhere. He said, but you know what? At least they're preaching the truth, and I'm thankful for it. You see, the goal is not a motive. The goal is obedience with the right motive. Obedience with the wrong motive is better than disobedience with a good motive. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Well, therefore, you eat or drink whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever you do is obedience. Do all to the glory of God is motive. And I submit to you that obedience is first and motive is purified along the way. Over and over again, the Bible says, Commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You do what you speak. You don't, you don't wait till you got it all figured out. Said, people, through the years, somebody said to me, Pastor, you know, I, I, I really want to serve. I want to work. I sing in the choir. And I, I want to I work on the bus. And I, and I, I want to. I want, I want to teach Sunday school. But you know what? I, I don't believe in doing anything halfway. I think everything done for the Lord ought to be done with everything. 100% and, and right motives. And so I'm not going to right now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. What? For what? You're going to wait till your motives are pure? No, 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 no. You do right. And guess what? God purifies your motives as you go along. question for you. 
when Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant, was he sincere? You think Uzzah said, I'm going to tip God. Let's see. I bet he won't strike me. I bet you. Ah. Is that what he did? No. He's like, oh, no, the ark. Oh, the ark is going to tip. And oh, what a disaster. God killed him. God killed him. Do you think that Peter was sincere in the garden when he came to arrest Jesus? He took out his sword and cut off Malchus' ear. You think he was sincere? Yeah, he was sincere. But Jesus said, Peter, put your sword away. It's not time for that. He picked up the ear stuck it back on Malchus. Do you think, my friend, that uh, uh, the man uh, in Numbers uh, 15, verse 32, the man who picked up sticks after the law was given that the Sabbath, no work on the Sabbath that belongs to the Lord, do you think the first man who went out and picked up sticks on the Sabbath day, was he, was he, was he flying in the face of God? Maybe his kids were sick. Maybe he needed some hot soup. Maybe it was cold. Maybe his wife said, but I'm, I'm freezing to death. Can't you make a little fire or something? He said, well, you know, they say we're not supposed to pick up sticks, you know, whatever. Come on, sweetheart, God's a reasonable God. Yeah, okay, well, I'll go. And somebody saw him and reported to Moses, and Moses went to God and said, what do we do about it? He said, have a public execution, and I want representatives from every tribe to participate in the execution. And that man was killed for picking up sticks. Here's the subtle lie. The subtle lie is this, that genuine equals righteousness and authentic equals holy, which insinuates that if you're trying, you're faking. Do you understand what I just told you, young people? Somehow, if you're still trying to keep all those standards, bless your hearts. You see, we finally realized that God loves us as we are. And God is accepting of everyone. And we're not trying to be all, you know, anymore. We're just real. Uh, question, real what? Let me tell you something. Young people, the foundation that has been laid for you and has been carried on is a biblical foundation. And if it is Bible, then you ought to be loyal to the truth. If you're trying, you're fake. We have a, we have a rock and roll church in our town. And uh, bought a, a, a loaves of uh, uh, foods and uh, went inside, painted everything black and put some uh, lights in there. Got him a rock and roll band and had a rocking for Jesus every Sunday. Wow! You know what the name of the church is? This is hysterical. Vintage. Vintage. There's nothing vintage about vintage. Y'all do know what the word vintage means? Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, uh, listen carefully. The subtle lie. Genuine equals righteousness. Authentic equals holy. And that if you're still trying to be holy and still trying to be masculine and still trying to be separated and still trying to walk in the Spirit, then somehow you're faking and you need to just let loose and you just need to uh, jump up here, jump up here, jump up here. Quick, 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 quick. Come on, Jesus is coming. Come on, hurry, hurry. Jesus is coming. Uh, somehow uh, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit you. You know, you know, you never really did understand why uh, women uh, uh, wore the dresses and, and young men dressed up to go to church and, and why you couldn't listen uh, to the world. And you said, you know, I'm just tired of this. And, and, and
and, and, and so I, I just, I'm just going to shed that. I'm going to shed that. No, 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 no. The Bible said be holy. The Bible said put on righteousness. The Bible said uh, put on bowels of mercies. God told you to be what you ought to be, and you ought to be what you ought to be, and let him purify your motives as you continue in obedience. And this philosophy, listen carefully, in this, I'll call it satanic philosophy, being real becomes removing restraints. Don't you feel better? Doesn't it feel better not to be a fake? And in this deadly philosophy, thank you, sloppiness becomes proof of spiritual enlightenment. Removal of standards becomes adding spiritual maturity. Skin-tight jeans now prove you're no longer a hypocrite. Satanic rock music becomes pleasing to God. And unholy, sultry voice becomes adoration of a holy God. The signature sound of booming bass and driving beat used to conjure up demons on the mission field now somehow brings us into the presence of God. Ye know not what spirit ye are of. Loose behavior has now become liberty in Christ. And less modesty becomes more spirituality. And grandma's Bible outdated and new age Bible's hip. And the doctrine of preservation has given way to the doctrine of relevance. Did you ever play ball? Did your, did your coach ever say, boys, get your game face on? Did you ever hear that? What's he saying? He said, man, you don't feel it right now, but you need to get your game face on. Do what you're supposed to do whether you feel like it or not, boys. To whatever degree you are sick of hypocrisy in the pulpit or in the pew, I applaud you. I empathize with you. I grieve with you. But when God rebuked his people for righteous lips and hard hearts, his solution was not go out and dirty up your lips. So you won't be a hypocrite anymore. No, his solution was get your heart right. If God's people are in fact guilty of being dirty on the inside while acting clean on the outside, the solution is not to, dry, to dirty up the inside. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinner, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God wants the hands and the hearts clean. What is right to do is right to do, albeit done imperfectly. It's better to do right perfectly than to do wrong perfectly. Do right imperfectly than to do wrong perfectly. It is better to do right with imperfect motives than do wrong with sincere motives. There's four ways to grow. We stop doing some things. We start doing some things. And then the how we do it. How we do it. Heartily. With all of our might. And then the why we do it. All to the glory of God. The virtue of the why is predicated on the what. In the end, sin, the what, done with the purest of motives, the why, is still sin. Oh, you listen to me. Rock music is still of the devil. Rock music is still of the You cannot exact spiritual results with fleshly means. I submit to you that it's better to fail while striving than to succeed at quitting. 
We all know men who've made shipwreck of their lives, men who drifted across the double yellow line and had a head-on collision with tragedy. But the answer is not to remove the yellow lines. Here's the crux. The crux is this. We've become scared to death as being seen as hypocrites. But I say to you, the fear of man bringeth a snare. So let's return to the one fear that dissolves all human fears. The fear of God. Would you bow your heads, please? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We'll open the altar if you want to come. I, I beg you, young people. I beg you. You must establish in your heart and soul what is biblical and what is right. I beg you. What phenomenal opportunities God has given you to be in a place like this. And I remind you to whom much is given, much shall be required. Someone in the next generation has got to be willing to say the things that are not popular. To teach and preach the truths, the why of what we do. Not just get up and thunder out, you ought to live right and name a few things, but teach why. And help the next generation understand why someone's got to be willing to do that. Lest we continue to lose Christian servant after Christian servant. The worldly philosophy. I'm not saying those who've taken this into their heart and mind and life, I cannot judge their motives. I don't know why anybody does what they do. But I have experienced this philosophy enough to show you it's completely unscriptural. Get back to your Bibles. Be ye holy. Just stay right where you are for just a moment. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for this group. Please, raise up some men of God some ladies of God who will walk in holiness. Not be afraid of what others think or somehow someone call me a Pharisee, a hypocrite. Help our minds and hearts to be swallowed up in a desire to please you, to honor you. Give us a hatred for evil. And a deeper love for you. May you from this group raise up Christian servants who will go into the next generation standing firmly on the foundations of truth that have been laid for us. Please. For Jesus' sake.